Hi, my name is Don Thompson, and I'm going to be giving a talk about a very interesting topic, which I'm terming mindfulness and competition. And it's not a topic that is often discussed within the mindfulness community, at least not as far as I know. I haven't heard a lot of people talking about it, but I do think it's a, a an intriguing and interesting topic for people that are... Uh, interested in mindfulness and meditation because the fact is we live in a competitive world and we need to deal with competition. So to discuss this uh, relative to mindfulness seems to me to be a you know useful thing to do. I've structured the talk as follows. Talk, I talked a little bit about our competitive culture, how we live in a competitive culture and how that competitive culture actually does have its benefits. And then I'll uh, discuss also about the downsides of competition. As mindful people, we probably have thought about some of the downsides at some point in our lives, if we're meditators and mindful. And then I'll talk a little bit about alternatives to competition and how mindfulness allows us to look at alternatives to our competitive mindset and I'll go over what that looks like or can look like. I'll also be talking about Thich Nhat Hanh in an interview that he gave in 2012 during the Olympics, which I've gone back and listened to a few times, and he has a lot to say about competition in that interview. It was in the spirit of the Olympics, you know, the competitive sports of the Olympics, so he was talking about competition. And Thich Nhat Hanh had some very interesting things to say. I'm sure you will find them as intriguing as I did. I'll wind up talking about an initiative I've been involved with recently called the Center for Mindful Business, which is a organization that's been set up by Heather Gwaltney and a Few of us, founding partners, really spearheaded by Heather and started by Heather. And we're uh, doing some very interesting things vis-a-vis business and mindfulness, which I think you will find interesting. I'll step you through that and I'll step you through how CMP is looking at you know business a little bit different, differently and trying to move away from a strictly for-profit motivation for business. By way of introduction, again, my name is Don Thompson, and I'm an MMTCP graduate of the class of 2023, although I must say I've been meditating for quite a while, almost 30 years now, starting back to when I was introduced to meditation through the work of Paramahansa Yogananda and his book, Autobiography of a Yogi, and then I've worked with several teachers over the years. Uh, and studied American Buddhism and Tibetan Buddhism, the Hindu and Vedic tradition, and now mindfulness through Jack and Tara. I have to say that having been exposed to so many different schools of thought has given me a very unique perspective, I think. It's it's really um, sort of a bird's eye view of different schools of thought, which I'm happy to talk about, maybe not during this talk, but at, at another point. Uh, it's, it's, you know, my life journey is somewhat 
eclectic, convoluted, and interesting. I have been an essayist and media producer also for about 20 years, dealing mostly with socially relevant films and media. Films of the purpose, you might say. And as an entrepreneur, I worked on Wall Street in the tech sector. And I worked at many of the Wall Street companies, right? They're on Wall Street down in their offices, helping them launch a new kind of technology, which they were keen to implement. In terms of our competitive society, we all know we live in a competitive society. Political parties compete, athletes compete, businesses compete. Competition is really endemic to our culture and our economy. We compete all the time. Within the mindfulness community, you might say that uh, we also compete, or some feel maybe they're in a competitive situation, maybe not. But some people feel they might be competing for students, for mind share with another teacher that's uh, maybe got a little bit more uh, prominence, or maybe a teacher that's got uh, you know more teaching experience or more credentials or whatever. You feel like you're up against those kinds of people. Perhaps not. Perhaps you've figured out a way to work within your community that's not really, you don't think it's a competitive situation or you're focused on wellness or with working within uh, various community organizations, and that's great. You don't really feel a sense of competition per se. But some of us might feel that. We might feel that we're, you know, competing against people that are more experienced. And uh, I've heard a lot about uh, this uh, imposter syndrome. You know, we feel like we're, as if we're not really prepared and part of that feeling of a lack of preparation comes really, I, I believe, out of, out of a sense of competitiveness, perhaps, with other teachers that, you know, you feel are, are more competent, more experienced, or whatever, and have more letters behind their name. Now, benefits can come out of competition, and um, I've listed a few of them here. Those include excellence, meaning that the most excellent thing prevails in a competitive situation. You have a product or a service and the best thing prevails, maybe, because, um, you know, sometimes that's not always the case. If it was always the case, then we wouldn't see mediocre politicians. But uh, excellent doesn't always prevail. What, 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 what could prevail is something like low prices. I'll skip to number four. Walmart is you know, specializes in low prices and competing based on low prices. And that's how they compete. It's not always the most excellent thing. But it's a rule, generally speaking, competition should bring out or, or is intended to bring out the most excellent thing. And this help us, helps us to improve ourselves because if we're competing against others, against another service, against other people or whatever, we, we feel compelled to improve ourselves so that we can compete with them, so that we can be at the same level. We want that. And that's a good thing. We want to be always improving ourselves so that we can be competitive or be uh, competent, be professional. Best practices can also come out of competition. When I was in the software business, we compiled best practices for a particular software product that we had. We were very 
thorough and did extensive best practices in order to show how we were positioned against the competition. We were the best product. We knew it. We just needed to document it and be able to show that to clients and customers. And we did that, best practices. It's a way to be competitive. It's a way to know how you're doing vis-a-vis the competition and to be honest about it and look at ways you can improve. Also, greater variety and more innovation come out of competition. All this is good stuff. We like it. You know, it's all it's all good stuff. The American model has really gone global, right? All of this competition stuff has gone global. Now you see we're competing for products with China and Asia and whatnot. Sometimes that's good and sometimes it has a downside. So we know as mindful people, there's also a downside. The big thing about competition in terms of a downside is there's always a loser. If you have a winner, you're going to have a loser. You know, in sports, you have the winner and they're jumping up and down and happy and you have a loser and they're not happy. They're moping and they're, they're, you know, whatever. But the same as, you know, in any situation that's competitive, if you're bidding for uh, work, you know, a client work, or if you're going for a job or some other situation that's competitive, you might not get the job. You might not get the bid and you're going to lose and you're going to, you know, you're going to feel unhappy about it. It's not a good thing. The thing about competition from a mindful perspective is that the loser, and if you look at the loser from a competitive situation, you you, you have a lack of empathy for that person. In order to compete, you have to have a lack of empathy for the person you're competing against. You might say you have to create them as an other, as someone separate from yourself that's competing with you, they're an other. In the worst case scenario, they might even become in your mind evil. You know, they're competing with you. Um, Certainly that happens in politics all the time. At the level of the nation state, it can really be a problem, that line of thinking, because as nation states compete, and if they look at each other as evil and they dehumanize the other, it can devolve into war. And uh, Thich Nhat Hanh talked about that when he gave his interview. He talked about that issue the issue of devolving into war. With nuclear weapons, it's not such a great thing. Economic disparity can can also come out of competition. You have a sliver of people at the top who are wealthy, and then you have a, a large swath of people at the bottom that aren't so, doing so well. And the people at the top, you know, they might think uh, that they have no responsibility for the people at the bottom. The people at the bottom are simply not doing what they need to do to be competitive. You know, they're not getting the education, they're not getting the skills, they're not doing whatever they need to do. And that's the attitude of the wealthy. I made it, why can't you? So economic disparity comes out of competition. Now, we all know there are mitigating forces to that economic disparity. There are people that do care about that and who work against it. In education, there's people that, of course, we help our children to become educated so that they can be competitive. It wasn't always that way. I mean, child labor has been more or less outlawed, at least in this country, but it used to be quite prevalent. Now it's not. Now we educate the child. That's a good thing. 
we want to continue to, to mitigate these downsides of competition through not-for-profits or through uh, uh, for-benefit corporations that help people that have issues in terms of that economic disparity or other issues related to trauma or mental health or whatever, or wellness. These are all areas that we want to help people. When I talk about the Center for Mindful Business as a for-benefit company, that's what we're trying to do, is raise awareness around the need for that. But also in general, just the need to have a more mindful attitude for other reasons within companies. And I'll get into that in a little bit. Another thing that can come out of competition is loneliness. What do I mean by loneliness? I mean, well, if you're a mindful person, for example, and you're sensitive and you don't want to compete, you might have a desire to separate yourself. Now, historically, sensitive spiritual people have separated themselves and gone off to monasteries where they've gone off to the Himalayas to be away from people, to meditate and be alone. Within a modern society, it's it's not so easy oftentimes to go to the high Himalayas or to go to a monastery. You don't want to take the vows. You don't want to wear the, the monk's robe. You don't want to, you know, for whatever reason, you don't want to do that. But you're sensitive and you're spiritual and you don't want to compete, perhaps. It can create a sense of aloneness. When I was a kid uh, in the sixth or seventh grade, I, I didn't want to compete in the school sports during recess, during the four square matches between the kids. You know, they'd all be competing. I didn't want to do it. So I went off on the jungle gym by myself and I watched them as they competed and I wasn't happy. I was alone. I felt lonely. Fortunately, back at the neighborhood, I had friends and I could play with them and I was, you know, happy with them. But at school, I was very lonely. Later on, I found other ways to compete, you know, through art, through writing, through academics or whatever. But, um, you know, as a kid, sixth or seventh grade, wasn't very happy. Aloneness can come out of competition. Now, there are alternatives to competition. A person interested in meditation and mindfulness will understand these words already to a great extent. Cooperation for benefit, holistic compassion. Cooperation meaning you want to work together to solve problems with people. That's that's your MO. That's what you want to do. For benefit means you want to be of benefit to people. At the Center for Mindful Business, uh, we are a for-benefit company, which involves a service attitude towards a larger goal. And uh, Thich Nhat Hanh also addresses this larger goal and what that means. A holistic view means you, you take into consideration the impact of your competition. What are you doing vis-a-vis, for example, the environment in your, in your business? What are you doing? Are you doing all that you can to help the possible impact you're having on the environment to mitigate it? Are you doing everything that you can to help the wellness of your customers, of your employees? Are you doing enough to ensure that you're making a profit but not doing doing so at the expense of something that's important, like the environment, like the wellness of your employees, like the wages of your employees? that type of thing. 
So compassion really becomes the ground, the motivation for what you do in business, in, in work, in life. You know, you, you change your stance. You, you don't look at life as a competition. You look at life as a as a opportunity to be compassionate, to have compassion for people, to be of service, to work towards the greater good. This is all a different perspective on competition. When you have that perspective, competition sort of melts away. It doesn't really exist per se. It melts away into something else, into having a different motivation, having a motivation of compassion. As I mentioned, I had listened to an interview with Thich Nhat Hanh that he gave during the 2012 Olympics. It was very interesting. So Thich Nhat Hanh, when contemplating compassion within the context, excuse me, competition, within the context of the Olympics in 2012, he said, well, competition, you know, is, is a problem. It's a problem because, as I mentioned before, there's always a loser. And he basically saw competition as a template for a path to self-destruction, you know, within culture, within humanity, within civilization. And he said he felt that it, it was more prevalent in, in, the, in the relationship to the environment, how we were treating the earth. If we look back in the last 50 to 70 years in terms of when globalization took hold, when competition took hold in a global sense, in India, in China, you know, competing and creating products and services for markets elsewhere. You know, there's been an incredible amount of environmental destruction that's happened as a result of this globalization of competition. I'm not saying the competition was great before globalization, but it was sort of limited. Um, and India and China, for example, had completely, you know, different cultures. Much You can say they were in poverty. Yes, of course. But the ramping up of the, of the global consumer model, you know, and a competitive model that frames it has really wreaked havoc on the environment. Unfortunately, it's true. We, you know, the statisticians, the scientists all, all tell us this. It's obvious. It's happening. So what Thich Nhat Hanh suggested is that we need to move toward a great awakening, is what he called it. Now, what the great awakening is, really, you know, is sort of up for grabs. There's been books written about it from a Buddhist perspective. You can look it up on Google. You can check it out. My take on the great awakening is it's, it's sort of what... Um, you know, it's, it's similar to, uh, if you've ever read the works of Carlos Castaneda, he, he called it the abstract core, or cores, or abstract purpose, you might say. And from a Buddhist perspective, you can look at Mahayana Buddhism and the, the, the idea of the Bodhisattva's vow. So the Bodhisattva's vow is a purpose. The interesting thing about the Bodhisattva's vow as a purpose is it's sort of impossible to attain. Can you really, you know, uh, liberate every sentient being in the entire universe before you're awakened or before you're liberated? Well, probably not. You know, it's an impossibility, but it's something to work for. The idea is not that it's attainable, 
it, it's almost by by design supposed to be unattainable because it keeps you motivated. It keeps you moving in the direction that you're supposed to move toward. That is to be of service, to be compassionate. This is the reason behind the Bodhisattva's vow. Now, the Great Awakening could also be said to be the enlightenment of the Buddha. I mean, it's also been turned that way, too. So uh, when you look at the Theravada school, the enlightenment of the Buddha is the Great Awakening that's available to any sentient human being, should they work at it, towards it. So the Great Awakening, I feel, again, is something to uh, contemplate for your own self. What works for you? What is it that works for you? Is it going to be a purpose that you have? I mean, you could even use it as a tagline for your company. You could use it as a, uh, you know, a motto for your company. I mean, not to be flippant about it, but you could do that. The Great Awakening. I'd like to talk a little bit about an initiative that I'm involved with called the Center for Mindful Business, which has been around for, you know, not that not that long, a couple of years, if that. We've just gotten started, really. Our mission is to bring mindfulness to the workplace. And we do that by bringing uh, the concept of the triple bottom line into, uh, into, into the corporation, into the company, into the business. And the triple bottom line has to do with people, planet, and profit, meaning that you're looking at the wellness of the people, you're looking at the wellness of the planet in terms of the environment. You're also looking at the fact that your profit should, you know, not be made in a, in a, in a way that's damaging to something else. It's not at the expense of something else. The triple bottom line is a, is a, a methodology, a framework that comes out of academia, you might say, out of business consulting. And what we're doing with the CMB is we're actually certifying people in this approach so that they can go and consult and work with businesses. And we've had some MMTCP people that uh, have come on board to uh, get certified, which is really exciting. But the, the idea is that it complements your MMTCP training. It does not, <laughs> to uh, not to be, again, flippant, but it doesn't compete with your MMTCP training. It complements it. So by complementing your, your, your training, you can have an expanded offering. You can offer you know, this to businesses. Now, as a business, you can also go in and you can just have meditation sessions with them regarding mindfulness. And that's all well and good. And maybe that's what they want because they don't really want to deal with all these other aspects of their business that might not be so mindful. But what we're proposing here is that they, you know, should be. They should be thinking about things because, again, as Thich Nhat Hanh pointed out, you know, we're on this path of destruction. He's gone now, of course. He's been, he's passed uh, recently. We sort of wish he was here uh, to continue to speak about this. But now we're, we're left with, uh, you know, ourselves. We're the ones that need to step up to the plate. Again, he indicated that we're on this path of destruction. Now, a lot of that happens through business. A lot of the, a lot of that competition that he's referring to happens through business. That is the vehicle for the competition. So with the Center for Mindful Business, what we're doing is we're addressing head-on 
you know, the responsibility of businesses to be mindful, which we believe, you know, within the CMB that that should happen. It's an extension of mindfulness of the individual into the business. Again, we use this framework of the triple bottom line as a vehicle to do that. And I really believe in it. I think it's great. Um, you know, I think that you might check out our website and see what we're up to and look at, you know, do a little research related to the triple bottom line and maybe sign up for a class if you like the webinars and maybe get fully certified if you want to, you know, take this to uh, companies yourself. So thank you for listening. You can always email me at Don at Center for Mindful Business. Our website is www.centerformindfulbusiness.com. Check it out. You might find something interesting there. We'd love to uh, hear from you regarding any feedback you have related to mindfulness in a business context.